everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen entertainment of the 80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host, Mindy's on the other side. Slow-mo. <laughs> what? That was a nickname that I had in college. Slow-mo. Oh, Shomo. I think it's a showboat. No, slow-mo. Like, slow-mo. Okay. Because, uh, never mind, it's too long of a story, but yeah. That was a nickname I had. <laughs> it has something to it has something to do with my psychology degree. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it's not a good story. Never mind. All right. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Some other things that are good. Uh, we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Craft. It's a sequel, sort of reboot, and as a bonus. I had her watch The Covenant, which is what I was originally going to pair it with before I heard about a sequel, which is basically the male version of The Craft. Still there? Hello? You want me to say something? No, I just did. <laughs> I don't know. I just... <laughs> that was an awkward silence. I apologize. The, the episode's <laughs> over. Bye, guys. Bye. It was a short one. Minisodes. Okay. Um, microsodes. Um, here's the weirdest thing is starting, uh, three days ago, I assumed that most of what we're going to talk about is the craft and it is actually the least I want to talk about now. That's very interesting, huh? Uh, I mean, we kind of decided uh, to watch the covenant with it because yeah, it does seem like, like a twin, like it, right? Like a inverted twin or something. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, honestly, I, I watched the craft legacy and I thought I didn't really want to watch it cause I thought it was just going to be, you know, the rehash stuff, but, uh, it, it not done well. Cause you see that so often in a sequel slash remake slash what are you, uh, tribute thing. Um, I mostly watched it because Scott was doing homework and I needed something to do, <laughs> so I watched it. And, and I mean, well, now here we are. I think it's far superior to the original. Yeah. I said it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the original. It comes out spring of '96, and the previous year we had a, a minor so-so hit with Clueless. At the time, of course, it blew up on video and became a, a TV series. But it was kind of the, hey, people are watching teen movies again, which hadn't happened in almost a decade. The whole genre was basically washed up. And then um, we get The Craft, uh, which looks like someone said, hey, Clues made a lot of money. Maybe we can make another teen movie set in high school, but with more of a supernatural spin. Everybody credits uh, Scream for saving the teen movie. And I'm telling you, Scream probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Clueless and The Craft. That makes sense. They both made a decent amount of money, and I, I almost believe that the agent from uh, whoever casted the craft also kind of looked around and when he was casting Scream, and it just there's a lot of familiar vibes in uh, the way that they they didn't cast really off of television except for Nev Campbell, but that started started became the the formula is you get a couple guys from movies, you get a couple guys from TVs, and a bunch of unknowns, and let's make them stars. Yeah, I will say there were so many people in this movie that were recognizable and, you know, went on to have rather robust careers or still have careers. 
I, I definitely did not remember Brecken Meyer. In yeah, I didn't either. I well, he's in so many I of these, I can't remember. associate him with comedies that I definitely didn't remember him at all. Yeah, I'm looking at all the people here that uh, I don't remember Robin Tooney at all. And this, by the way, she is wearing a wig. When you watch this in HD, you definitely oh. see she has a wig this time. Of course, she has to be. It's the fakest looking hair I've ever seen. I just, I haven't seen it since it came no out doubt. on VHS. So, you know, the, the it wasn't very refined visuals. Wait, you didn't watch it again? No, no, I just watched Recently? it yesterday. No, no, I just watched it yesterday in HD. Oh, so I had okay. not seen it since it came out 25 or so years ago. Okay, thanks. I got nervous. Yes. Uh, there's definitely things that I didn't remember. And that to me was like one of the most I don't it seemed very strange and you know I will say I feel like she was very good in this role but it it was very counter to what I more know or her know her from or know her she's more she she's also I know her more as like you know the dark angsty like I guess, like, for Rosa Bulk, you know, she's much more similar. They're both very similar in my mind for the characters they play. Um, and this is very, to me, different than what she's more known for, you know? Yeah, and uh, Feruza Balk, I, I don't know where her career was at this time, but, I mean, she had one big shot with Return to Oz, but sadly it bombed. And this basically made her known. Uh, after this, for like the next five or six years, she was getting a lot of studio work. I have no idea what she's doing now. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that, um, I, I think that her movie, I, the Oz movie, you know, now is kind of viewed a little differently, but yeah, when it came out, definitely didn't do well. She did a bunch of movies when she was a little kid, the best Christmas pageant ever, worst witch, like things that people, you know, those aren't unknown things. Oh, I've never even heard but of those. So. The, be- the best Christmas pageant ever. You Like, that's one of my best, my most favorite childhood books. You've never read I that? Kn- I know of the book. I didn't never know there mind. was an adaptation of it. Yeah, you know, the things I most know her for is The Craft and Waterboy, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't basically. know. Almost, almost Famous. Those are the three things that really, like, stand out in my mind. Yeah, this is uh, the. I'm looking to see. Now I had never, I've never seen Party of Five. I know it had a cult following, but I don't know how big it was. But they sure seem like with the teenage audience that the studio execs were like, pick them, pick them, pick them, and try to make stars out of every single person in that show. And Nev Campbell, I think, definitely was the biggest of the bunch. I mean, I think that she had like a quicker. A quicker transition and uh, lasted longer uh, than most people. I mean, like Matthew Fox has had great success, but it's been kind of in blips, you know? Yeah. I mean, he had some shows afterwards and then he had lost and then he kind of blew up huge again, had, you know, a bunch of movies, and then now what's Matthew Fox doing again, you know? So. Uh, I'm pretty I sure he's retired. He moved to some farm in Oregon. The cons- yeah. The most consistency, I would say. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that her or Skeet would have been cast in Scream if this hadn't got some attention. I mean, this movie did well. It cost about $15 million and made $40 million, but it blew up huge on video. 
Yeah. I mean, that makes a huge difference. You know, the video market is a is an amazing, especially in the 80s and 90s, and a, a, an amazing thing for turning a unsuccessful movie into a phenomenon. Yeah, it's, it's weird thinking about how that doesn't really seem to happen very much anymore. Every week now well, with social media, we talk about a movie for a little bit, and then a month later, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, I think that the the... the the way that our culture is about, you know, because of social media, it's like you'll hear about the same thing from eight, 80,000 people, but it only lasts for, lasts for a week, and then they've moved on to something else because our attention span as a culture is non-existent. Yeah, and there's so much content. There's so many different ways to get content. The rule was, back in the day, you either had TV <clears throat> movies or you had theatrical movies. No one gave a shit about direct-to-video. That was always the cast-off. That's where the stuff that wasn't good right. enough to be either one. It was and, like the kiss of death. Yeah, back then it was really rare to find anything that went straight to video. And nowadays everything seems to get like, you know, uh, video on demand, which there's no direct-to-video anymore in the sense that it goes straight to DVD. It goes video on demand first, you know, get some word of mouth, and maybe yeah. you can sell some copies when it comes, you know, uh, for full price you I can mean, buy it. Like think about like to me the most the most successful indie film by word of mouth was like my big fat Greek wedding like that wouldn't happen now no I mean that was just a tiny little movie that caught some attention and just lasted for an entire damn summer and made excessive amounts of money like is it a good movie yes. Did it deserve the interest? I believe so. But would that happen now? No. <laughs> well, it's funny that this even so got any success because it's sandwiched between two massive movies. It came out two weeks after Twister and one week before Mission Impossible, but it opened decent enough and then just stuck around during the summer. Well, also, it's a very, very, very different kind of movie than those two movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that it really had... And, and a niche with you know i mean it's a feel-good movie it's a romance it's good for families it had a lot of elements that had a lot to offer you know anyway wait okay yeah i was confused no i was talking about the craft came out between twister and oh, mission impossible i'm so sorry yeah i don't i remember my big fat greek wedding was one of those that slowly rolled out on like independent screens and then stretched out beyond that for months no with the craft it was just perfectly sandwiched between these two big event movies and it's like well i can't get into twister or i've already seen twister what am i gonna go see next and this is really the only thing plus it was a niche because horror movies were dead as a doornail this was the worst period ever for horror and 96 is the one where this and screen basically brought these the genre back and also the fact that it's focused on women, but it's not inaccessible to men. It's 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 uh, open to every. It's the same way Clueless is. It's just because the main character is a female doesn't mean it's not accessible for everybody. Right. There are things that work yeah, with it's... this that I think that don't happen in uh, the sequel. Though is that all four girls get their own stories, and that's how it slowly melds together. But it's more of a, a revenge-gone-wrong story than the way the sequel is. Yeah. Yeah, I do truly appreciate how it did... It, it kind of started the same, but it did not end the same. You know, it, it, it somewhere in the middle, 
you know, it really started to take on its own personality. And I think I, I mean, what I expected, of course, was a copycat. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, it did. It was. I mean, maybe there was a little revenge, but it it turned out differently. But the but the girls in the in the legacy had a very different agenda. And while they were just as you know unpopular and picked on and stuff like that, they chose a different way. They took the high road and wanted to be a lot more responsible with the with the situation they were in, which I admit I did not expect. Yeah. So if you look at what... So the first one is very mainstream. It's very cinematic. Um, it's the arena rock of films, you know, where it gives you all the big moments of pleasing, you know. Um, but it's not very complicated emotional. Everything's on the sleeve. Everything's right. in your face. Christine Taylor's character is villainous, and she's just villainous. That's it. The revenge... And the revenge gone wrong, it plays out more like a Tales from the Crypt or Twilight Zone kind of feel. You know what I mean? Like where it's uh, you get your comeuppance, yes, but be careful absolutely. what you wish for. And yes, um, absolutely, I yeah. Go ahead. There's a delay, and I apologize. That's okay. Um, the one big thing, of course, that I did like in the original, that the the remake or sequel, I don't know what to call it now. I'm just going to call it Legacy. What ha- Legacy doesn't have is kind of the big blowout fight. And that was a lot of fun. Feruza Balk gets to play it to the sky. She's huge in it. And there's lots of stunts. And it's really enjoyable in what that's trying to do. But none of it really resonates. Sorry, I'm just... I'm having a hard time focusing on on you because of the sound quality. Anyway, um... Yeah, you know, she's really over the top, and uh, there's some definitely, like, very memorable TV dialogue, uh, which I do not blame them for, but you can see that she definitely had a lot of fun with it. Um, I do think that you're right, the the villain-esque characters are very one-note. There's not a lot of complication to them, although I, I, I do think Christine... Taylor uh, does make you feel a little bit. Okay, sorry everybody about that. I had a glitch in the speaker system. It's going to sound different, but we'll continue. Okay, yes. So, I don't know. I don't have much more to say about the craft, I don't think. Although, we do have a lot of absentee parents, which is, I guess, a pretty common element in teen movies i guess it's necessary for shit to get super weird yeah well and for them to be vulnerable yeah the uh yeah i think the craft is very entertaining but it is a product of its time boy that soundtrack that's when remember when soundtracks were just such a huge deal that you had to sell it with the movie oh yeah it was advertised sometimes right on the posters yeah Absolutely. Well, there was, I mean, the late 90s especially had just some intensely amazing soundtracks. And because you were talking about Robin Tunney's wig, Uh 
it's because this was the first movie she did after Empire Records where she shaved her head oh, on, on film, on right. camera. Right, I forgot about that. I she don't was think in this. I realized how closely those movies came out. Okay. And I think I yes, so that makes a lot more sense. All right, that, yeah, yeah, because I know her mostly though. She does usually have short hair, like in Vertical Limit and stuff like that. But yeah, that would make complete yeah. sense if she did this right after Empire Records. Yes, indeed, which I love. Okay, um, moving on. Yeah, uh, so our second film is The Covenant, which um, is kind of stupid, but it's so entertaining. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a good movie, but it's an entertaining movie, if that makes sense. But it is the flip I side, mean, and with updated special effects. Yes. Um, it's definitely, like, I don't know, like, exciting, and, like, there's a lot of adrenaline. I guess that's, like... You know, a, a more intense boy version of the craft. Um, <laughs> with a lot of actors that I, you know, I've only seen that before today. I had only seen it once. And I knew that I didn't think it was like good, quote unquote good. But I didn't remember why have I only seen it once when it's been out for 15 years. And then I watched it and I remembered Spiders. Oh, right. I didn't realize we're also celebrating the anniversary of this. I mean, sort of. I mean, it's not for a few more months, but wow, that was an accidental anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the spider thing is rough. But the one thing I don't like about this movie, besides the fact it is kind of cheesy, is it makes the mistake of making you think that, oh, you can just dive into this world with no real introduction, with no character on the outside looking in. You know, that's, that's one oh, thing. Because yeah. the craft, you don't... In, in both crafts... You're on the outside and you're slowly building this world. This feels like episode two or or the sequel. You know, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Why are we catching up so fast on all of this? They make it believe as if you've already spent time with these guys. Right. That makes sense because you're right. With both craft movies, the main character is an outsider who is brought in. So you're learning about it with the main character as they're learning. And so... That, that's a really good point that it does feel like um, yeah you you're like imme- immediately this stuff starts happening with no explanation yeah the one mistake they Jumping made off cliffs is, and stuff right yeah <laughs> so it feels like I have already sat through the one adventure story I know their powers and I know their adventures in their world and that's where I was like what the fuck is going on also here's a huge mistake. The lead is the dullest character of all of them. Steven Strait is, um, he's an okay actor, but he has nothing interesting visually or his performance. He's just a normal, bland, white guy. And I think the thing is what you should have done was either that you pick Laura Ramsey or Sebastian Stan to focus on because they are really good and they're the outsiders. Mm-hmm. Should... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and Taylor Kitsch, fuck, the second you see him, you see that he's a star. Now, sadly, it hasn't really worked out for him, but he is a, a lead. Well, he was so buff, I was just, like, distracted. Well, everybody looks alike except for him. He stands out like a sore thumb, that gorgeous head of hair. You know the weird thing is, is like, okay, I remember very little. I think I, I remember Stephen Strait being in this movie, but that's about all I remembered casting-wise. Um, I did not remember Chase Crawford at all. Um, and the weird thing is, is like he barely had any lines. He was like a sp- supposedly like a, an important member of this, you know, of the fo- the the four boys who are you know the founding founding members of this community. And he like never said a word hardly. And he was 
he was totally dismissed out of all the characters in this movie. Yeah, I but I do believe he wasn't. Was he's Gossip Girl, right? He's from Gossip Girl. Yes, he is the from Gossip Girl. Yes, but I think this was then, right you know, before the show debuted. What? So I think that's how he got uh, Gossip Girl. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But then you know the. The other guy, I think Toby Hemingway, is the only one I didn't didn't re- really recognize. But it's like at least you know he he had like a clear personality. He was you know like the troublemaker, and was all they were always having to get him out of situations. And yeah. I don't know, it's just like they were. I mean, honestly, I thought they were all a little bland ish. Um, <laughs> None of them had very distinguishing, like, character traits other than that. Um, I mean, don't you think they were all kind of similar and bland? Yeah, it was really hard to tell them apart. The only one who looks like he's really letting loose and had a lot of fun is Sebastian Stan. And I was like, oh, I got well, if, if I had a choice, I would have chosen that role. You know, that's the one that you want to have fun with. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, will, I will say that, like... Like, the dialogue in this movie is super bad. Yeah, it's a wolf. Total and wolf. And hella cheesy. And, like, he had, like, Sebastian Stan had some of the most, like, awkward, like, bad guy speeches and lines and stuff. Like, again, it seemed like he was having so much fun, like you said. And the fight sequences and, like, you know, the powers that they had were super dope. But, again, without much explanation. Yeah. Like, you were just basically like enjoying the spectacle right if you told me this was a spinoff of x-men i would have fucking believed you because they're treated more like uh superheroes than they are as like act like because the way they treated in uh the craft is totally different in this movie. yes they have the book and they have spells and stuff like that but they're not really focused on that they have these badass throwdowns and they're using like you know force powers you know like invisible woman kind of things you know they're throwing these balls at each other <laughs> balls in the face um <laughs> metaphor <laughs> metaphor nice. um but it's treated more like a superhero movie and i think the big difference is is that it's directed by rennie harlan who is a big action guy who would kind of do horror movies off and on and he brings a lot of that aesthetic so it's, it's more of an action horror film yeah, he makes kind of like splashy visual movies. Yeah, and the movie Whether looks or not great, doesn't it? Good I mean, is questionable. Yeah, I, this is shot in Nova Scotia, and yeah. I thought it was gorgeous. I want to see Nova Scotia. Oh. I mean, like the definitely. I, I think it, you know it was supposed to take place in like a a, a very uh, Salem esque. Um, town i think it was supposed i mean because they were saying marblehead was a nearby town and that's like super close to salem the town name i think was entirely made up but i it was clearly supposed to be something salem like based on the like you know stories and history that they were expressing in the in the plot so they gave a little exposition i guess you know when they were giving the backstory of the families and and stuff like that but it was clearly very much supposed to be a salem type location and they did a really good job i thought of you know giving i I have been to salem not that you know i'm an expert on the topic but you know the um can you pause for a second (laughs) yeah i can hear pepper (laughs) 
Yeah, so this was number one at the box office, but it's one of these where the word of mouth was not very good. The reviews were horrible. So unlike The Craft, it burned out fast. It opened at nine million but died at twenty three. Whereas when you look at The Craft, it was like an eight million and lasted to like something forty to fifty million. What what year did this movie come out? Uh, Two thousand six. Oh right, fifteen years. I even said that earlier. Doy. Uh, so this this is the same year. Just this is just interesting. Uh, as another movie we t- talked about not that long ago, she's the man, and both girls in this movie, Laura Ramsey and Jessica Lucas, were also both in She's the Man. I kind of forgot that Laura Ramsey was the like love interest in that movie, kind of. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Most most most. most can't talk both must be from uh canada uh, productions well i screwed that up i don't know why i was switching the m and the b i know but... for sure i know for sure jessica lucas is canadian but it's really interesting that just like so many people just you know they do a bunch of stuff right in a row and it's and then a lot of times they just disappear I don't know. You're hot for a couple of years, and then what happens to you? Jessica Lucas is still doing tons of stuff, but it just always is so interesting to me. Their their agents must really just work their butts off to, oh, well, they just booked this movie, so you should get them in yours, and they're going to be hot, hot, hot. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes people are just seeing what it's like, and then they can just, well, I got my fill, or I don't like auditioning, so, you know, this is horseshit, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I got my fun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'll say The Covenant is really just a goofball entertainment machine, and I could not help myself. It was a witch weekend. I watched WandaVision, and the fight sequence at the end really reminded me of the fight Mm -hmm. sequence at the end of Covenant, where they're just throwing balls of stuff around at each other, and I was like, huh, I guess that's just what we just did. No, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um... But our final film is going to be Craft Legacy, and you and I both had low expectations because, yes, there was a pandemic, but also, like, they weren't making any effort to put this out in theaters or holding off on it, so it just seemed like it was one of those where, like, it's not going to be very good, it's not going to make much money, so let's save ourselves the marketing and just put it out on video on demand and just make what we can there, and it is worth it. I I have serious concerns with them telling me it costs $18 million, and I know that it's fucking horseshit, because <laughs> that is a Canadian movie with very few special effects and no big names. I bet you it costs the same as, like, an episode of The Flash. Where all the David Duchovny? Maybe and Michelle Monaghan, but I'm still they're not Wait, worth which... a, me two hundred fifty thousand for each. Maybe the only shoot yeah. they're not in the movies that much, especially to come. That's true. It's mostly about the boy, girls. Oh boy, I have some. Uh, it was mostly about the girls. It really focuses on them, and I don't recognize a single one of them, and I loved every single bit. They're so damn good. They're so much better than the the girls in the first movie because. There's just something about them. They seem not like they're central casting. You know what I mean? Oh, we're looking for the weird girl. We're just looking for four girls that work really well together and communicate to each other mm-hmm. and to make this team. Because unlike, spoilers, unlike the first movie, there's no turning point really against each other. Not not in the same way. Yeah. The, the, um, the main girl, um, Lily, she... She is not, she's actually unrecognizable to me in, in the way she looks in this movie. But I've actually seen her in three uh, other movies. Really? What else? The most, the Pac- 
Pacific Rim Uprising, so she was in the Pacific Rim sequel. Um, on the basis of sex, she was in that, which is the R- Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie, which was excellent. But the most profoundly amazing role she was in that maybe a lot of people haven't seen but really should is Bad Times at the El Royale. Have you seen that? I have seen it, and the minute I saw her on the poster, I was like, holy shit, that was her? I had no clue. So she's like, you know, the younger sister who got wrapped up with, with you know, um, <clears throat> Chris Hemsworth's weird, uh, creepy culty like guy so that's her isn't it it's such a different interesting role but she was fantastic like regardless uh i didn't know any of the other girls oh my god the one girl's from blockers um, i knew she looked familiar the one the the one with the glasses and blockers have you seen this movie yet yes i've seen blockers so she's in that but also i think her her mom is an actress that pamela (gasps) no really I don't know, is that how you say her name? Pamela Adlon's her mom. mom. Oh, wow. That's Um, great. Yes, is that how you say her name? Yeah. I can kind of see it once you know that. But she's actually done quite a lot of stuff, too. Just, I think, I mean, yeah, I think Blockers was kind of her break, you know, more of a breakout role. Which, that movie is actually pretty freaking funny. Yeah, it is. Future episode. But I think it's good that they can show it. You know what? Girls can be raunchy too, fools. Whatever. Um, So these girls are not, like, completely new to the game, but they have fresh faces and, um, you know, you have no preconceived notions really because you're not like, oh, she's on the most popular television show of the year, you know, right now. And that's good. That's a a much better choice. Yeah, it's... Uh, the one great thing about this movie is, like I said, it doesn't focus on the special effects. It doesn't really focus on the magic that much. It focuses on the repercussions and how it changes people. And, my God, yes. there's some, there's such good acting in this. Who is the tall, goofy kid that, spoilers, died? Who is this actor? I'm looking and I, I cannot find him. I don't know. I have no idea who he is. Um, what was his name? It was... I thought it was um, Jacob. Am I wrong? Timmy. The picture of him is entirely misleading. His IMDb page makes him look like an entirely different human being. Isn't it Timmy? Timmy. Uh, let me look. <laughs> the one, he, the, you mean the one that like yes. was like oh, torturing that's her him? and then. Wait, I've seen him before. What have I seen him in? I know that face. No, I, I don't know. know. Well, he yeah. probably has a lot of credits too. So, yes, I will say that this is a very emotional movie. I mean, I did not expect that at all. And there was a point where, yes, double spoiler, after Timmy dies, and they're in the bathroom, and they're discussing, like, the ramifications of their actions and how they're, if they're responsible or what, and they're all just, like, a hot mess, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this this feels so legit. Like, they were so believable. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, they use their spells... For the most part, to try to help—I mean, not—I not, don't want to say fix people, but they were. It's a really big commentary on toxic male behavior. And don't you give me any shit about social justice warrior or any of that horse shit. Um, men are toxic. I don't actually get along with most men because they're always a fucking swinging their dick around trying to be the alpha dog, and I always think that's the most douchebaggy thing. I've always thought that. 
and I usually only well, get along with women. Well, for a movie that, that's about four girls, it really, uh, that's the other main thing that they focus on is toxic masculinity, which is very interesting, but appropriate for the time. Yeah, it's it shows you that not only is uh, the storyline with him, with Timmy, where he is just kind of a dick, just an abusive dick, and his friends aren't much better. And then you have the circle of boys in um, uh, David Coveney's family. And he's like a guru and he's always like, you know, the male's the lead and he's the king or whatever. And so there's that circle. And at first I was a little disappointed they don't really tap into his family, the boys. They're only like bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. That may be the only weak thing I can think of is where they're paper thin. But... If, if you focus on too many characters, it takes away from the main ones. And, and, and you don't want that washed out because the core group plus Timmy is the heart of this movie. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I do. Um, I mean, they do start poking some holes at the boys and the family over time. Um, you know, when you... I don't know, uh, when you start, you know, you, I get, I mean, I guess the point is to get some weird feeling from, like, Adam, David Duchovny's character, that, you know, very quickly something feels a little too sharp. Yeah, too aggressive. You know, his, Where They never talk yeah. about what happened to his wife. Where's the mother of those boys, or did I miss it? I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember if they said. He just mentioned something about, you know, when he apologized to her or whatever, he said something about having to be really tough uh, because, you know, because he raised three boys alone. And I don't know if they, if he said more than that. Yeah, it makes me... So now, I this is she a, died, this, but I don't know. Yeah, this is a big spoiler, so back off right now if you don't... I mean, we've already spoiled enough, but I almost feel like... With him being the warlock, I guess, if you want to call it, um, are we sure those are even all his boys? Are we sure that he didn't kill his wife? Or maybe his wife was a witch. Do those boys have powers? I don't know. That's the one thing that's missing from this is I don't know enough about what's going on with them. Well, I think, you know, that it was entirely unexpected um, and interesting that they chose to have you know, not an internal struggle, as you mentioned, that they did not fight each other like they did in the first movie, that instead they brought in an outside force that was, you know, their their villain in, in, in the form of Adam, which came so late in the game that it was like, I was one, shocked, and two, they didn't have any time to back that up. Or uh, give any exposition or any, you know, uh, yeah, there was, I, I think the movie, they could have made it 15 minutes longer, 10 minutes longer even, and gave us more bulked up that, that yeah. scenario for us to understand more. Because he showed, you know, it just, you're right, there needs to be more there. And what what is the story? The, the kids, the boys need more. Right. There needs to be more... <sighs> But I can see for that. I can see that if you reveal too much, that you do ruin the surprise. And I had a feeling though when they were having like their little coven group in the living room, 
And mm. I thought that was kind of a, Oh yeah. By this, then I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, something's not right here. And uh but the reveal when you find out it's it, it's not her mother, um I was like, that "Oh, I hurt so okay. bad." I didn't fucking expect that because we were at the point where she has already revealed that she's adopted, that she had to hide all these things from her, that she thought she was doing the right thing by bringing her here and it was going horribly wrong. And when she says, "Will me your power?" and I was like, "Oh shit." Something's not right here because I had just watched Covenant where he kept demanding that you will him his power. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I say something real quick about this about Covenant? I forgot. Uh, Stephen McCaddy yeah. is my favorite character actor of all time. He's a Canadian actor. I think he's absolutely magnificent. And his name is in the credits and I waited the whole goddamn movie for him and he shows up at the very end <laughs> in old man makeup. Thick, thick old man makeup and has one line where he wills his power over to his son and i was like oh Oh, right i wouldn't have even i mean i don't know who you're talking about but i wouldn't have recognized him obviously with all that makeup yeah it was so weird how they like made it the moms made it seem like he had died or something and then you're like uh he's like hidden away in that junky old house yeah that's a weird story point i feel like trimmed around but um back to the craft legacy though yeah maybe they revealed too much about the boys that maybe it would have given it away earlier because it i mean even though i knew something wasn't right about david Cobney, i wasn't sure if michelle monaghan was bad as well and when they reveal that it's a um what do you call it glamour i guess is what the spell is called where you see something that's not really there or you're covering it up yes that was a hell of a surprise now I think David Duchovny did this on purpose. He plays his villainy role down real level. He doesn't go big yes. like Feruza Balk does. It's almost like a, a choice to be more internalized because this whole movie seems to be more about internalized uh, pain. And so when he reveals himself, and he's just very straightforward like a fucking razor blade instead of you know a show yes. of you know, like swords flying around or whatever. Uh, I'm, I don't, I'm a terrible metaphor. But... It's fine. When they do have the final battle together, and I finally got what they were going with, the earth, wind, fire, water, the four points, I thought that was yes. really clever. Something they never bothered to touch on in the first movie is where it's just because it's random magic, but this is like focus. Like there's a, a beginning and an end point to what they're trying to develop as as magician or as uh, witches. You know, I, I'm not so sure that's accurate because in the first one, they were always hunting for their fourth. And that necklace that she was wearing was from her mother, which made me think that it was from her birth mother um, and that it was in the first one. I forgot so about I that. So nece- I'm not sure you're right about that. I think that it was actually very, very similar. Okay. Especially at the towards the beginning when they do like their first first thing together in the woods that was very very similar to the scene in the first movie where the first the first time the four girls get together to do their first like thing as a four of them and i actually do think that they may have done the exact same northeast did they I just, I guess they just however yeah. this still felt less chaotic right and and the funny thing is you keep thinking in the beginning of this movie that it's just going to be a carbon copy of the first one i was like okay they're doing this moment they're doing this moment and they keep flipping things and flipping things and flipping things but i think the biggest turning point is the fact that they took timmy's character who was basically the equivalent of skeet Ulrich's character in the first movie and completely turned it on its head he really is the driving point for the second half of the movie and in the fact that he's killed off because he was seen as weak because 
he was bisexual, which I thought was groundbreaking in this movie. They really never do that in these kind of mainstream movies is where it is not treated as if it's a freak show that is completely normal. And it is a part of our society now that people can be um, bisexual or uh, pansexual, you know, where they can love What do you both. mean they can be? Or they are. they can be. Sorry, I mean, I meant like socially acceptable. Oh, yes, of course. I think, um, well, also that one of the four girls is transgender, and they they talk about it, but I also don't make them, like, I don't know, the token right. LGBTQ person, I think was a really, um, I, I think that, that both of those elements make this, like, a really, you know, really good story, because, like, I mean, I'm not an LGBTQ person, but, you know, I have a lot of people I really care about that are in that community, and it's not the only thing about them, you know? It is a a part of them, but it's not the only thing about them, and I think that it's really awesome when they can tell these stories, and it just, it happens to be a part of who they are. Right, it's It's not not a gimmick. story. Right. So I think that that they made a really, really excellent choice with some of these characters. You're right that he, I it was just so much more um, emotional and there's so much validity to like, you know, his his progression and growth. And yes, did he get there because of the magic? Yeah, I think so. But it was somewhere they they did that and it helped him face some realities as opposed to you know in the first one where they just use magic to totally fuck with this guy and then he went freaking crazy and then he died like i mean yes did timmy still die god yes, don't watch that fucking hurt I, that hurts so it was bad it really digs yeah. in yeah. yeah and the fact that when they fully go like you know put their rage into david duchovny um i'm terrible at saying the character's names i'm sorry um is completely understood and that is their driving point because what he did was so fucking disgusting and wrong and the fact that it really does happen in the world is that when people have come up uh come out of the closet i mean they're still to this day killed because of their sexual orientation and it just there's there's an enormous amount of abuse to the LGBTQ community, and I think that it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think that, you know, toxic masculinity really is one of the driving forces of these these abusive acts, and for them to address that in this movie, even though it's about magic, um, uh, there's... There's so much more realism to this story than than the than than there is magic. Yeah, it is really <laughs> heartfelt, well thought out. I want more remakes like this, or sequels, or yes. whatever you want to call it, where it's not about the concept so much as how do you make the concept work with these new characters and make us care mm-hmm. about them. That's why Fright Night, the remake, was so fucking good, is because yeah, yeah they had. Um, you know, the, 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 the plot line that they could follow, but what they focused on was the characters first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that this, you know, there's a lot of movies that, that, um, you know, now that are dealing with current social issues. And I do think that's important, but I think that they need to do it 
right. And I think that this is a prime example of really addressing some of those topics in the right way. Right, so without making it I want, a gimmick. I just want to like, mention, yeah. like, this movie is written and directed by Zoe Lister-Jones, which I think this is the first movie she directed. <clears throat> but, she, you know, she's been an actress for a really uh, quite some time. Um, and I thought it was just really, really good writing. So kudos to her, and I hope that she makes lots more films. Because yeah. it was just really... It looks like she has another one coming up called How It Ends, and she did a movie in 2017, a very small independent movie called Band-Aid. Band-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really... I've looked her up a few times, and then she was on this other show for like four or five years with um, Colin Hanks, which I've never seen. Oh, I've seen it. It's great. I love it. I don't even know how I haven't seen a show with Colin Hanks, considering how much I love him. Um... But I admit I'm not terribly familiar with her, but um, I'm just really impressed by the writing here and, you know, her, she has a, I like, I like what she did and I think she has a good voice. Yeah, it, uh, I'm looking at it right now and her new movie came out January 29th, streaming, it's called How It Ends. It's uh, her and uh, Olivia Wilde, and uh, it's like an end of the world comedy drama, and it has Whitney Cummings, Finn Wolfhard, Nick Kroll, Logan Marshall Green, Bobby Lee, Fred Armisen, Glenn Howerton, and Bradley Wilford. Uh, Whitford. That is a good well, cast. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people I like. Yeah, so Dang, I'm, I'm gonna go check that be. one out. Yeah, let's let's find that one. Logan I'll see. Marshall Green. Oh, I like him a lot. Did okay, you? well, we'll, yeah. we'll check that out. Yeah, we're wandering off the the range again. Yes, okay. we are. So um, I would say Craft Legacy is the absolute must of this list. If you haven't seen or you think it's some sort of directed video knockoff, it is absolutely not. It really might be one of the best or the best sequel slash remake I have ever seen. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of damn movies. <laughs> we have. <laughs> okay, so I, I don't remember what we're going to do next, but it's going to be probably another anniversary episode. So check us out on Facebook under Video Night Podcast, and thank you very much, and have a good night. Good night.